everyone. Welcome to Space Flicks. This is the podcast where we review a movie and decide if it's worth the cost of beaming out to a lonely astronaut in space. Today, we're talking Raya and the Last Dragon. Not the second to last dragon. The last Not dragon. Not the penultimate, but the, the very last. There are zero dragons after this. Mm-hmm. So get... Yeah. Get it while it gets yeah. good. Sequel to Raya and the Second to Last Dragon. <laughs> it's sort of like a Star Wars Episode Four situation. They named the first one in a very uh, inconclusive way. Um, yeah, yeah. This is the Raya latest. and Z, and then the follow-up Raya and Zero Dragons. <laughs> Raya herself, R- right. Raya all alone. Uh, so this is the latest from Disney Animation Studios, not to be confused uh-huh. with Pixar. They've really, uh, they've really established themselves, I think, as a studio to be uh, to be contended with. So clarify something for me. This is we would say the same studio as Moana, right? And Frozen are mm-hmm. those. And and would Big Hero Six fall in this category too? I believe we so. Know? Yeah. Okay. Okay, I think I have a feel then for what Disney Animation Studios is. Yeah, all the Disney ones that aren't Pixar these days, basically. It, it's okay. it, it's uh yeah, it's it's kind of you and I remember a time from when we were younger when Pixar was like the computer animated ones, but Disney right. still made, you know, hand-drawn animated movies. Right. Um, but that yeah. studio that used to do hand-drawn has gone pretty much full computer animated these days full dig as and they so say. now the lines uh, for most of us probably have blurred a little bit between pixar and disney but i think they both i think they've got their own distinctive kind of styles generally um anyway you want to read the uh, synopsis for us before we get started adam yes in a realm known as kumandra a reimagined earth inhabited by an ancient civilization a warrior named Raya is determined to find the last dragon. That synopsis flows kind of weird. (laughs) Yeah, it's worded poorly, and it basically, the last clause in the sentence is just basically repeating the title to you. Yeah, pretty much. Well, sort of. You know, Raya and the Last Dragon, it could be a movie that starts off with Raya and the Last Dragon together, but the synopsis Mm -hmm. makes it clear that no, it's Raya in search of the last dragon. Yes. Although it is pretty much a foregone conclusion that she will find the dragon, <laughs> considering the yes. dragon is on the poster and in the title. <laughs> on the poster, in the title, in the trailers. Yes. She could be on, you know, if you didn't watch trailers, but you did look at posters, it would still be ambiguous whether they actually connect with each other because the movie could like show Raya and then show the dragon you know, separately, mm-hmm. but they never, right. Raya's never able to find the dragon. Perhaps anyway. the dragon is a memory or a legend. Perhaps. But no, the dragon's straight up real and definitely. The dragon's a, a dragon. Yes. Yeah. And Raya finds her. Mm-hmm. Uh, as anyone, I, I feel like generally I like, I'm, I'm comfortable operating by the sort of, you know, the convention that people listening will at least be familiar with trailers. I think that's fine. We can say what's in the trailer without spoiling the movie. Yeah, and I mean, especially like in this particular case, it's in the title. Like, all right, all right. <laughs> you know the name of the movie you're seeing. That's that would be pretty amazing, actually. Like, you know, I know how like on this podcast we sort of talk about like, oh, it's 
better if you don't know anything mm-hmm. about it going into it. It's like, yeah, I want to know nothing, including the title, right? Well, I mean, I'm trying to Blind play devil's advocate me, here. Just put me in a movie theater and just say, you will be watching a movie, sir. It would be interesting Goodbye. to try to think of a movie where the title implies the existence of something that is never actually found in the movie or never identified. You know, like um, uh, like if you imagine, in the, they do find it, but in, in the movie Indiana Jones and the... What, the search for the Holy Grail? Or what am I trying to think of? There is no movie with that well, that's, title. That's I'm thinking that of one's the, called last the Last Crusade. Crusade. But let's suppose it were called In Search of the Holy Grail, and they never right. found the Holy Grail. Like, right. that could happen. A movie like yeah. that could exist, right? Right, yes. It's not um, like Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? Yeah, that would be a better example. But again, they find the Lost Ark in that. Right, 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 right. right. Um, okay, well, in any case, uh, we're getting way off track here. Why don't we talk expectations uh so we established a moment ago i think for for you and me there is a bit of a fuzzy nebulous line between pixar and disney animation studios do you do you consider yourself a fan in general of the disney animation studios and how do you how do you think of them versus pixar uh my stand my, my general stance is that pixar on balance makes braver movies mm-hmm. that are more interesting uh, and are less um, rote than Disney Animation Studios. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, however, I think there's definitely room in the world for like traditional animated movies that like do paint by numbers really well, mm-hmm. right? And that's what uh, you think so, of Disney Animation Studios as? Yeah, yeah. Like I think um, I would say Moana is probably the most unusual of those three i think it's, it's like their they, best yeah i think so too well until this um, one we'll get into spoilers with oh interesting their new best but yeah, yeah um but yeah i think like moana very aggressively sort of goes after like the princess idea mm-hmm. right i think in useful ways um i think the fact that it was its first like i think as far as i can recall in recent memory like disney's one of its first big sort of um, forays into uh, actively casting like people who are sort of geographically appropriate for the story. Right. So how all Mm -hmm. the voices like matched up this movie obviously continues in that lineage. Um, But I think, but I have pretty mixed to like negative feelings, for example, about like the frozen franchise Mm, mixed to negative, huh? I have, I have major problems with Elsa as a character. Um, but at any rate, like my point being, I don't really have those sorts of complaints about Pixar movies. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's sort of like, it's like they are almost uniformly good and bold and interesting. And I feel like Disney movies are sometimes a little more, um, you know, by the book. That being said, I liked Moana. I liked big hero six. Um, and, uh, you're forgetting their magnum opus. Meet the Robinsons. Their monum opus. Um, uh, Oh, right. But that's like 20 years old, isn't it? That movie? I don't know. It might be. I I think that's their first one they did that was like computer animated. I liked that movie. Me too. Um, It was great. Yeah. Uh, And so, yeah. And I liked this movie without sort of getting too deep into spoilers. I I enjoyed this one quite a bit. Um, 
So, uh, so generally, the brand of Disney Animation Studios is improving for me. Yeah, I think I think it's almost like they're converging for me in terms of quality. I think Pixar is more consistent, um, and you know, Pixar tends to their their like typical movie is closer to a masterpiece to me. Yeah. Whereas Disney's a little more uneven, but I think Disney's best, like to me, Moana is up there with like the best Pixar movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Frozen is more like a Cars X esque <laughs> in terms of quality <laughs> level. Um, yeah. Uh, and uh, I will say, I don't I know this has nothing to do with Raya and the Last Dragon, but something that just thought of me, because you mentioned it, the Moana playing with the, you know, sort of princess paradigm. It just, the thought popped into my head. I was like, is Moana the first Disney princess who um, they actually, uh, they they actually deal with the fact that she would be the successor to the ruler? Because there's other Disney princesses Mm. who logically would be, but they don't even talk about it. Like, like King Triton in Little Mermaid has no sons. So one of his daughters presumably will take over, but like they never mention like she just leaves and it's like, that's fine. Right. <laughs> right. Well, or like, or like sleeping beauty. She's the, yeah. the, she's their only daughter. So who else is supposed to rule? You know, when the King and queen pass away, they don't even talk about that. That would be a responsibility that she would have. Yeah. I think, which you're I, think right. is, I think is just funny. Like it's not even addressed. Whereas Moana, it's like, you're the eldest child. So you will be the chief. Right. Right. One right. day. And it's like actually matters and it's important to her, to her identity. I think Snow White, the queen goes after her in part to preserve power, right? Because Snow White is like, oh, in I thought love it was just because she's the, the most, the fairest of them all. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's like, it's way more catty <laughs> it's than that, isn't it? To do with, oh, yeah. I thought it was like, oh, she's, you know, the prince fell in love with her and then she will be queen someday. Maybe that's touched on, but I feel like I, at I least think you're right. I think my memory of it, which could say more about me, but I mean, it's an old movie. I think it, I think it's more just like, there can't be anyone who's prettier than me. <laughs> so right. Cause that's Snow the, White yes. must die. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think you're right. I think Moana, uh, like directly goes like princesses are interesting because they are like rulers to be right. Which is like an angle that no other Disney movie took. Prior yeah. To yeah. Possibly Pocahontas. Pocahontas do any maybe, stuff with the chief? Maybe, but in all, but maybe in, in any of these examples we're talking about, even if they're, even if the movie did address it, it's it's almost like a foregone conclusion that she must marry somebody, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that person, you know, it's like in Sleeping Beauty. Eventually, it's Prince Philip, right? So it's like, so he can be the king, <laughs> right? You know, <laughs> right? That's fine. So you can throw dinner parties, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, well, anyway, so, yeah, we both love Moana. But as far as Raya, um, I would say my expectations were pretty high. I saw, I got to say, speaking of Moana, I got real Moana kind of vibes from it. I don't know if it's just the fact that they both have, broadly speaking, kind of Asian backgrounds. And that's very broad because they're totally different sort of like geographic areas. Um, Right. But this is sort of more Southeast Asian influenced yeah. whereas Moana is more Polynesian right 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 um but still I think something about you know sort of like a fierce 
kind of adventurer slash warrior princess type who's mm-hmm. maybe I don't know if I even knew in this case that she was going to be, you know, the successor like to her father. But I I just maybe came in having that vibe. So if I had a concern, it was maybe that this was going to be a little too Moana esque, like it was going to mm-hmm. feel like another Moana. Um, but otherwise, I was looking forward to it. I mean, I saw the I think I saw the trailer and thought it looked great. So, yeah, uh, so I was excited. And then having seen it, I loved it. I, to me, it's, you know, it's still relatively fresh in my mind. Um, I think I only saw it a couple weeks back, but, uh, right now for me, it's sort of right up there with Moana, like in terms of just how much I loved it. I think if, if anything, Moana might have a slight edge because of the music, because this movie is not a musical. Yeah. Um, but I, I really liked what this movie brought to this is more of like an action movie. Um, as opposed to a musical. And I thought yes. the action was really exciting and, and, and quite good for the most part. Um, so yeah, overall I loved it and I would say it's easily in the top two for me of, uh, Disney anime, new era, call it of Disney animation studios. I'm not really pitting it against, you know, your beauty and the beasts or Aladdin's or lion Kings. I'm, I'm pitting it against their sort of computer generated, the um, new class, yeah. yeah, generation of films, but uh, in that class, which there's still plenty of really good movies in that group, I think this is top tier for me. Yeah, I um, I also loved it. I don't know. Same with you. I don't know if I would say it's better than Moana, but um, but I agree. It's like a straight up action movie in parts, and it's like a good action movie. Mm-hmm. Right. They they like do things that we talk about in this podcast all the time about like you understanding stakes and skill and geography. Right. There's actually a really great sequence where Raya has to um, fight. Uh, what's the character's name? Namari. Uh, Namari. And like part of the point of the action sequence is Raya is stalling to. Mm-hmm like make time for her friends to escape. And so you are very aware of like the geography of this area that they are in Mm -hmm. so that, and it's just sort of like a lot of movies just fail to do that. And this movie does it effortlessly and it's an animated. So the fact that this movie is like a better action movie than a lot of action movies are is Mm -hmm. like a testament to it. I thought it had a really solid, um, just tons of aspects to it. Uh, sense of humor, uh, the world I thought was delightful. Yeah. Um, the parts like the imaginary bits that are made up, not just the dragon part, but like the different sort of species of animal, right? The different um, tribes that line this um, this body of water. It's mm-hmm. just sort of like just a one, just all the creations of this film, the inventions of this film, like were really winning to me. Um, and so, yeah, I really, I had high hopes going in. Um, the thing that I said to you in private was all they really needed to do for me to be immediately intrigued by this movie is give Raya a squiggly sword <laughs> and check they did that. Knocked that out um, right right at the top. Just, and, I, and I didn't even realize, uh, you know, in the trailer, spoiler alert, the sword is basically a hook shot from legend of zelda (laughs) i was i was a little nervous when you said spoiler alert i thought you were gonna spoil something so for those of you critical who don't play legend of zelda uh you're missing out 
on the joy that is the hook shot. Um, and so at any rate, there was just so many like little details like that in the film that I found. So it, in that regard, I think I was sort of hoping for just a new creation, like a new, like a bunch of new things that I'd just never seen in movies before. Um, and it definitely delivered on, on just sort of the fun, new, uh, novel stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think this movie definitely delivered in a number of ways. Um, so let's move on. I guess we, we've talked about, uh, sort of our first impressions. Let's get into themes. Um, I think this movie's mainly got one big theme and, mm-hmm. and that's the theme of trust, trusting each I was, other. I wanted us to do like a countdown oh, okay. and like we would say a word. One word, count the- of three. <laughs> no, it, no, yeah. it's, it's that clear, you know, Yeah, which is kind of right. nice. You know, we, we, we talk about a lot of movies and we have this segment. It was like, what do you think the movie's about? You know, and it's sort of sometimes it, it's a discussion and sometimes it's two or three things or five things. Right. And this one, it's like, it's about one thing and we both know exactly what it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah. yeah, I think it's about, it's about trust. It's about, um, but, but more importantly than trust, how, you know, the, I think the hypothesis of the movie is like society breaks down when people don't trust each other and yeah. that counterintuitively the solution can be to, you know, fix that trust to restore trust, which requires, can require a leap of faith, you know, like, yep. like people don't trust you unless you trust them. But then that can put you into this seemingly impossible situation where it's like, I can't trust you unless you trust me. So someone right. has to make the first step. Um, and that, that to me is the primary theme of this film. Do you want to, you know, articulate that any differently or, or state any other angles to it or other themes? No, I mean, in some ways, I feel like the theme of the film is so obvious, like in the movie takes, I think, considerable effort to sort of hammer it home, which I understand this is a children's movie, right? Um, That it almost sort of like loses uh, a little bit of its power because by the end of the film, it's almost like the film is saying... uh, and say it with me again, right? And we're like, we we get it, we get it. We, we you know, people, yeah. the world is bad because people don't trust each other. Um, and so, in that regard, uh, you know, it. I think as a grown person watching a children's movie, it felt like in those moments a little bit childish, mm-hmm. uh, but not in a, not in a bad way. It was sort of like totally acceptable from where I stand. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And I think we can get into, you know, like how it addresses the theme and how it presents the theme a little bit more as we get into, you know, fix the movie in those later segments. Um, but overall, I mean, it's a theme I personally love. I, I, it's something that I, I wish there were more movies about this or more, you know, in our popular culture about this basic message, because, you know, I've heard people say about this movie, like that it's kind of, you know, it's kind of a pat message and it's a little oversimplified. And like in the real world, sometimes you just really can't trust people. And, and, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't mean to say that that viewpoint is objectively wrong, but when people say things like that, I'm like, I think the movie's directly for you because of the way you're Mm -hmm. thinking of, you know, like when you're like some people, you just really can't trust you know, mm-hmm. and like, and those people like are the worst, you know, <laughs> I'm right. like, I'm like, I 
feel like you're kind of like the people in this film that it's about, right. you know, um, that there's just certain people, you know, groups of people who inherently like would never trust anyone in this group. And I know there's, I mean, you know, it's easy for me to say there's many groups with deep historical sources of, of mistrust and, and, and mistreatment. Um, but you know, I feel like this, it's almost like those things can be a distraction from the very fundamental human message of the movie, which I I personally think just is true. Like it's, it's, yeah, there's a million other dimensions that come into any circumstance, any situation, but fundamentally, like you can't expect someone if, if, if there's like a deep mistrust between two parties, there's no way to fix it without at least, you know, without some party actually stepping outside of what they feel safe doing with the other. Right. Right. Because you fundamentally don't feel like you're, you feel like enemies. So you feel like you can't give at all to the other side. Right. And someone has to do that if it's ever going to be repaired, you know? Um, So to me, it's like, it's almost like perfect that it's a, family movie you know and they can present Mm -hmm. the movie in such a simple way um because i guess maybe because if anyone's going to get that message it's going to be children who don't have you know the baggage of everything we have as adults Mm -hmm. in our minds um so anyway yeah loved that message i felt uh, and and we can talk more about it uh when we get into you know the details which is more spoiler territory but I guess that's it then. We don't, there's no other themes we want to touch on before moving on. Well, I mean, um, I think some stuff will probably come out as we talk about our favorite parts in the film, Mm -hmm. but I don't, but I think the film is sort of very consciously built around that one idea. And I think, and that's what makes it very effective at communicating it. Right. It's not like I remember just as a, as a contrast (laughs) to, List an extremely different movie. Uh, you know, when we talked about Sorry to Bother You, mm-hmm. right? It was like, there, here's a movie that has 20 things on its mind. Yeah. Right? And to say what it is about is is kind of difficult, right? Um, this movie doesn't have that problem. Uh, and it makes it, you know, very focused and very simple to, like, understand, which I think, to your point, again, like, this is a children's movie. Um, yeah, but let's get, I would say, let's get into the good stuff and I I bet you some stuff will sort of shake out as part of that discussion. All right, let's shake it out. So why don't you give the, uh, spoiler signal, Adam? Ooga. All right. That means spoilers are coming. I put my back into that one. (laughs) So if you haven't seen the film, time to turn this off. But, uh, Mm -hmm. anyway, let's talk favorite parts of the movie. So you want to go first? Anything jump out at you? Sure. So um, I'll just start with the beginning of the film. I thought it set the tone excellently. So um, we see young Raya doing what is effectively a sort of Indiana Jones style, mm-hmm. like treasure heist, right? Where she's trying to sneak through a booby trapped temple to retrieve, you know, some artifact that we don't understand at the beginning of the film. And so we get to see her as a young, as a young, extremely skilled person, um, be clever and innovative and, um, you know, get through all these sort of traps and various things to get to this, you know, inner chamber where, 
you know, a glowing rock is beckons her. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then she has to get into a sort of um, martial arts battle with the guardian of that particular treasure. Uh, and it, it sort of sets the tone right away. It's like, okay, we've got like a fun kid with a cool animal sidekick, right? We've got like, there's a treasure and there's martial arts, like which are executed well, right? Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like all these things in the very beginning of the film uh, for me are like, this is all the things that I want, yep. right? So let's like, I feel great about the hands that I am in and I'm ready to just sort of let this movie do its thing. Um, and then I think the movie pays off that sequence with some emotional heft uh, because it turns out that the guardian of that particular treasure is her father and he's actually sort of training her to um, to herself someday become a guardian of that particular stone. And so like right away you set up all the all the traits in the hero that we like you you create like emotional stakes with her father and then like Moana sort of uh takes a little bit longer to get to this point this movie like right away is like this is the daughter of the of the king and she is going to be the rightful heir to the throne like when it is her time and mm-hmm. so right away you understand that this is like a competent uh person who you not only respect from a skill perspective, but also like, and so I just loved being sort of put in that position of like, we immediately like Raya. We immediately like her father. We immediately like think that she's highly capable. And now we're sort of ready. We feel like confident that she's ready for sort of whatever adventure, uh, this movie has to dish out. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally with you. Very strong beginning. Um, I think that, you know, it, it's, it's, it's one of those openings where as a grown up, you know, the, the minute I see, OK, this is an opening scene. She's trying to get at this thing. And there's a dude with a mask who's like, you will not reach this dragon gem or whatever. I'm uh-huh. like, I'm like, this guy's going to end up being like her uncle or, you know, like a good guy. Yeah. But right. But I could, you know, watching it with my children, I could sort of all, at the same time kind of see it through their eyes where they're like you know, they're already in it. It's like, Oh my gosh, she's already like fighting this bad guy. And you know, yeah. Um, so presented really well. Uh, I think for me kind of jumping ahead, but I just, I, I guess one of the coolest moments in the movie for me. Um, so we're skipping way ahead. She's already met Sisu, the dragon, the last dragon. Mm-hmm. They're collecting chart, you know, they're collecting, uh, what, shards of the gem Mm -hmm. and uh and they're in i think it's spine the it's at the snowy land snowy kingdom Mm -hmm. yes wherever it is it's where it's where like grown namari catches up with her and um yeah and and sisu sort of like reveals herself for the first time that's this that to me was one of the coolest um like, I don't know. I just remember it was kind of like took my breath away of first, firstly, you know, I think they'd run into each other previously in the like booby trapped area. Um, I can't remember which, which realm that was, um, Mm -hmm. tail maybe in any case, uh, 
but they'd only seen Sisu as like a human in her human form. So they didn't know mm-hmm. she had a dragon yet. Right. And, uh, but then when they're, when they're there in spine and you know, she's Namari and Raya are having a fight, which is like a pretty good intense fight, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but then Sisu kind of like decides to intervene and she blows the fog everywhere and roars at Namari. To me, it was just this awesome moment of like, this completely changes the game, you know, because Namari's mm-hmm. after her to get the fragments has no idea. She has a dragon. And then when she sees the dragon and then they just escape through the fog and it plays this kind of like, you know, this mysterious music is playing as, as the, you know, figurative camera kind of like recedes from Namari. Yeah. As she's just like staring after them and you're just like, her mind was just blown, you know? Right. (laughs) Because you know that she, she loves dragons, you know, she, she, she has this deep sort of like, you know, uh, fascination with dragons same as raya and she just saw one but she was on this mission it's like she's like deeply conflicted i feel in that moment well yeah there's like a cognitive dissonance problem like actually one of my favorite parts in the film is the first scene of betrayal right so um raya and her father invite the other sort of parts of the kingdom into uh Heart, Heart, right? That's where yeah. that's where Raya's from, and um, and of course, uh, there's an elaborate sort of con that Namari and her uh, mother ultimately end up hatching, which involves like being granted access to the inner sanctum so that uh, they can abscond with this magical gem that turns out is the only thing between like society and mm-hmm. this evil. A monstrous force, which we have not mentioned yet, called the Drune, mm-hmm. um, which is sort of like imagine, uh, I don't know, a purple amoeba made out of light. It's like the nothing uh, from Neverending Story, but purple. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. And it turns uh, any living person that it touches into a stone statue, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so uh, when Namari uh, tur- betrays Raya and reveals herself to be sort of only pretending to be Raya's friend um, so as to get access to the gem, and then there's a giant fight that ensues, and then tragedy unfolds after that, right? It's like, that is such a betrayal. It's so big, Mm -hmm. and results in the sort of effectively the death of Raya's dad, right? That you immediately for the rest of the film at that point, you're like, she should absolutely hate Namari. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, and, and the people of, um, claw fang, fang, fang. Um, and so like that is, um, you know, I think that that helps as a viewer, you understand how hard it will be for Raya to ever, sort of align herself with that group. Yeah. Right. Um, And you understand what like a big sort of step she's taking when she decides to at any point, if she were to ever put her like her life in the hands of that group, like, 
you know what a big deal that is because yeah. for like a child to betray another child in such like a extreme way that results in the death of a parent, yeah. like unforgivable, right? Like in most walks of life, we would view that as an unforgivable crime. And the fact that this movie uses that as like a, a act to be forgiven and for trust to be restored is like it sort of mm-hmm. makes you um it makes the conflict seem very real and i feel like a lot of movies where people like hold grudges with each other it feels very sort of performative and just sort of like movie logic mm-hmm. right but in this movie it's like oh no that's that's a serious grudge <laughs> right yeah um and the fact that the movie was willing to do that with children right it's pretty like i would not have been uh, like a, a less bold movie would have had uh, Namari's mother be the one to sort of like initiate the betrayal. Right. And Namari would just sort of be like, I'm sorry, you know, what do I, what can I do? It's yeah. my mom. Right. 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 But this movie was like, no, she's going to be an active participant in it and she's not going to feel bad. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so, like, I think that that sort of helps cement Namari as not just like a pawn but as like a real antagonist, not a villain, right? Mm-hmm. But a real antagonist like in this story. So that's another sequence that I really, I, you know, I think the movie knows that it's got something special with, with that pairing, right? Raya and Namari. And so I think every mm-hmm. time it goes to that particular well, I'm like, yeah, this is the good stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, uh, I think, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to even try because I think it just leads to a lot of dead space, but, I do always, I, I'm not going to try to come up with an example to complete that thought. I, I, I love when like you've got really, really good sort of hero villain or protagonist antagonist pairings where the two are, are really, really good characters. And as opposing forces, mm-hmm. they, they make a strong pair. Um, and I feel like it is, it is, it feels rare and kind of unique a for it to happen in an animated film and B Mm -hmm. for both of those characters to be women. I think this just, I think they Raya and Namari just make a great like hero, like I said, hero villain protagonist antagonist pair where it's, it's sort of like what you were just saying, I think is whenever the two, whenever like there's a scene where Namari and Raya are coming together it's sort of like one of those, oh, something's about to go down, you know, <laughs> like, right, like right. these two are meeting up. That's not good. That's never good. Um, which, yeah, is really cool that this movie was able to like achieve that level of, uh, I guess, maybe just drama or like gravity um, from the right. from the main opposing characters encountering one another a few times throughout the story. Um, so, yeah, I'm with you. Um other parts of the movie that we loved, I, I mean, I, I loved Sisu just in general. I thought she was a great, you know, mm-hmm. um, you, it's sort of like a lot of Disney movies, you know, there is the standard kind of animal sidekick or side character in this yeah. film. I guess the, you know, it's more like Tuck Tuck is her little like armadillo guy is sort yeah. of her little animal buddy. But Sisu is, I guess Sisu's a lot more like the genie in Aladdin, 
right? Or something like that. Right. Like a magical, or, yeah. a magical main character. Right. Or uh-huh. like, um, like Eddie Murphy in Mulan, perhaps. No, I right. think I think he's more like the side, you know, side character who's just like along for comic relief. He's not that pivotal to the story, right? Uh, yeah, I guess you're right. Sisu, like, could, you're right. I think the genie's actually a really apt comparison because, in many ways, this entire story of Aladdin hinges on the genie. Yeah, right? on Aladdin's relationship with the genie. I think Sisu's like a strong secondary character, basically, in this story. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and I mean, she contributes a ton <laughs> to. Right. In fact, uh, some would say is crucial, you know, to the right. story playing out the way it does. Um, so I, I just loved her. I mean, I loved not just her, um, you know, message, but I thought, as far as characters go, you know, with their own unique quirks and stuff, like I loved her just kind of naive optimism and Mm -hmm. you know belief in humanity um Mm -hmm. i'm sure there have been other characters who were like that but she sort of she felt like a breath of fresh air to me as far as movie characters go yeah Um, i particularly loved um, it naive Mm -hmm. yeah she's sort of naive and then uh when other people would tell her you can't be this naive right you can't just assume that things will work out the way that you envision. She sort of, I think very reasonably is like, why? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Why can't it work out that way? And yeah. I think like, it, I think it's nice that the movie that, that, that character is inherently like a powerful mythical creature, you know, yeah. it's sort of like she has the, what, what you would call na- naivety if it were in the form of, you know, a child who's like powerless in the movie. And you're like, oh, you poor child. You don't understand. But she's like, she's like a greater being, you know, than mm-hmm. any other character in the film. And she's yeah. just like, no, 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 it should be like this. You know, <laughs> just you should give each other presents and be nice to each other. And <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I, th- I think I actually laughed, I think, to the point that my kids were like, what's so funny? But when they were like discussing their, you know, we need to plan. And Sisu's mm-hmm. just like, here's my plan. <laughs> I'll, mm-hmm. I'll go, I'll give her a gift. We'll be best friends. We'll like, we'll hold hands <laughs> skipping off into the, into the sunset, you know? That's right. Yeah. Um, and I was like, that's perfect. Uh, so yeah, I loved Sisu. And then, uh, and then I've got one last favorite piece, but any others you want to mention? Well, one thing that I especially like about Sisu and the dynamic between her and Raya is um, I feel like a lot of these movies, the heroine of the film, like knows the right answer Mm -hmm. and is trying to persuade other cold hearted people around her to like just, you know, give peace a chance or whatever. Yeah, totally. Um. And one of the things I really liked about this movie was Raya is the one who needs to be persuaded mm-hmm. to change. Mm-hmm. Right. She's not like pleading with be good. Right. Like, I feel like if you go to like Moana or frozen or um, most of the like Disney princess films, it's sort of like the princess has to sort of, um, plead with everybody Mm -hmm. to be good right right in some way 
And I feel like in this movie, it's like Raya doesn't have to. Yeah. Right. She's strong enough that she could choose to just be like the winningest person in this world. Right. But she, but like Sisu's purpose is to persuade her that there is like a different approach that is actually better. And it's like a hard one insight. It's not just like the hero can't convince anybody until the end when they can. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's an actual, it's, it's a, it's an actual arc, which is, uh, it feels pretty unique for Disney films. I think, I don't think this is exactly what you're saying, but I think my view of most movies by Disney is that generally the message is that, you know, the main character kind of quote unquote had it all along. Right. Mm -hmm. Whether it's like, like to, to contrast it with Moana where she sort of has this, you know, instincts, this adventurous spirit from the beginning. And eventually she needs to like help all of her people understand that that's what they were meant to be. Right. Yeah. Or like uh, a movie I've, I've always had some gripes with uh, brave Pixar's brave, yeah. you know, is like the princess kind of rebelling against all this tradition and stuff. And in the end, the message is sort of like, listen to your heart. You know, mm-hmm. um, and that feel that to me feels like a very stereotypical Disney message. Whereas I think this one, you could argue there is some degree of that because, you know, because Sisu's ultimate message is more consistent with what Raya's father tried to teach her in the beginning. But I think Raya is a very different person from her father. Right. In this movie. Mm-hmm. And, you know, part yeah. of that is circumstances like she, the, you know, lived through this huge betrayal and everything that happened with the fractured kingdom after that. But, um, but she is, she is not, um, inclined to trust or give anybody the benefit of the doubt. She's, she's, that's a major change for her. I think the way that Sisu influences her. So it's just nice to me. It's like, it could probably be a bit much if every movie tried to paint this picture of you need to listen to what others say, you know, and like no movie said, listen to yourself. But I feel like we're kind of more on the other side of the spectrum where most movies are just saying like, listen to yourself, you know, you are the source of all truth. And I'm like, I think there's, right. there's something to be said for listening to others too. And like, you know, and, and right. adapting and like learning right from, from right. people you admire and respect. So yeah, I like that too. I like that Raya, that Sisu has an actual impact on the way Raya views the world in a good way. Right. Um, speaking of, I think my other sort of favorite best part of the movie that I wanted to mention is just, the, I mean, basically the very ending primarily, and it's kind of ironic that I would bring this up because I think I also have something to say about this and fix the movie too. But as far as, as far as emotional impact, I would say, despite it being fairly predictable, um, the final kind of climax of them choosing to, you know, reassemble the dragon stone as they all turn to stone definitely hit me pretty hard. I was like, this is, this is some powerful stuff right here, you know, of them all turning to stone kind of as like a little family within each other's arms. Yeah. Um, that was, I thought that was a, a, a pretty moving and powerful ending. What'd you think of it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, um, it's very much, uh, 
I think a, a, a growing theme in like the Disney animation studios, like arsenal, right. Which is this idea of like the only way to like to win is to lose kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. frozen does this right. Frozen does like almost exactly this right. Where Anna in order to save Elsa has to sacrifice herself. Right. I think the, um, and then in, uh, in Moana, she ultimately like has to show kindness to the, to the giant volcano monster instead of like, you know, sort of defeating it. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, and so I feel like that is, um, like a, a growing theme here, but I think the thing that makes this, um, a little more touching to me than those is that there is a implicit um, uh, like trust that has to be, that is being communicated by the actions the characters are taking. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is like, I'm they're sort of looking at the next person who has to make uh, a sacrifice. And basically implicitly they're saying like, I trust that you'll do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And you know, and I think it's um, there's a different set of emotions involved when a person says, I'm going to sacrifice myself to save somebody else. Like, I think that's emotion we all sort of understand, right? It's a weird and almost more difficult thing to say, I'll put my life in your hands, right? Mm-hmm. It's like more vulnerable, you know? It's like... Um, well, it's, it's not like just I'll put like, your, my life, but it's like I'll put the whole, I'll put the outcome in your hands. Yeah. Right. Right. An outcome that affects right. all of us and everyone we love and, you know. Yeah. Because like, because when you're sacrificing yourself for someone else, you're still sort of like asserting control yeah, you're over in the control. situation. Right. 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 In this situation, they're like, I'm relinquishing control. Right. Right. And th- because I believe in you. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think there's something more um, touching about that to me that is less like um, it's it's truly like the only way for any of us to win is for me to um, just sort of let go. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I think that we're not really comfortable with that, like as a society, <laughs> you know. No. And so to see it sort of so boldly played out in a, in this movie. Um, yeah, I agree. It was really touching. And I think, um, beyond just sort of the, the sort of hazard that the characters are navigating in that sort of like trust, sort of like, uh, prisoners dilemma. I don't know. Like, I don't know exactly (laughs) what the logical version of this is, but, um, well, I don't know what the game theory version of this is. Uh, but the, but also just the, the environment that the movie portrays, you know, like the drone, especially like swarms of drone things, mm-hmm. uh, are really scary, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, um, and so they do it really effective in like this horrible environment. That fact that people are making sort of like the most difficult choice of their lives. Um, I agree. Yeah. It's a really, it's a really powerful, impactful moment. Yeah. Great stuff. And then of course, this is a Disney movie, so of course everything turns out fine after that. 
Everything yeah. turns out better than anyone could have imagined. Right. <laughs> Everyone comes back. All the dragons come back for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> Which doesn't, doesn't seem consistent with the premise of at the beginning of the movie. But um, anyway, I'm ready to get into fix the movie unless there's any other highlights you want to cover. Last highlight is Tuck Tuck. Oh, Just yeah. Great. Well, give me- I love I loved I, I even loved the way, um, you know, the, the, there's a very opening shot of her riding Tuck Tuck as like a giant yeah. armadillo yeah. creature. Yeah, um, I loved that because then I don't know if kids will make the connection, but then like they cut to her as little, you know, as little Raya with little Tuck Tuck. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, man, he's going to get real big. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be yeah, really I mean- cool. But just like I think in the world building, just the idea of like, oh, she's riding a giant sort of uh, armadillo roly poly thing mm-hmm. that somehow she's got a saddle on this thing that's capable of staying upright even while he rolls like a ball. Yeah. Right. Um, and just like just the le- like and that's like in the very, very opening like shot practically of the film. Right. Her riding took took. Mm-hmm. And so it's like. Um, just uh, right away, the movie's establishing its bona fides is like, you're going to see some inventive stuff yeah. in this movie that is just going to be delightful because it's new and inventive, right? The same way, you know, um, like Lord of the Rings would make you feel that way, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or comic books or something. Um, and so, uh, so that, yeah, that was pretty great. So Tuk Tuk was just a great symbol of like, here's all the cool stuff. That's like going to happen. And the fact that he grows from like tiny little pill bug (laughs) to giant hippopotamus sized beast is like great. And for all, for all I care, he never stops growing. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Totally. And will eventually be the size of a mountain. He'll be, he'll, he'll eventually be like the sandworms in, in Dune. Right. Right. But just like sweet tuk tuk, just chasing butterflies. Um, okay. So, you know, why don't we start fix the movie now with uh, yeah. uh, on that note with a with a really minor and trivial one, which is I feel like Tuk Tuk was underused in combat. I feel like he's like a giant mm. beast. She should have yeah. there should have been at least one scene yeah. where he like rolls through some bad guys or something. Right? Because there's no way yeah. she wouldn't use him for that. <laughs> Right. Well, maybe he's just a big soft. Or maybe he's super vulnerable. Yeah. I mean, I, it looked like he would have like sort of a, you know, a bit of armor, like sort of armadillo esque, like thick hide or something. But maybe right. not. Maybe not. You know, that's not a real gripe with the movie. I just literally yeah, just thought leave, of that just now. leave my sweet tuk tuk out of this. He's a gentle okay. giant. Okay. Um, I will. Okay. If we even if we scrap that one, I will still start start with a fairly uh, benign one. But it's still one that. It did bug me a little bit, which I don't know if it bugged you. Um, but, you know, one of her uh, powers, one of Sisu's powers that she acquires is, like, to make it rain. She's, uh-huh. she's basically got this, like, water control ability. And I was just like, how do you not use that against the Druun? Because they've established that they're, like, vulnerable to water. Uh-huh. And so it's just like, all right, just make it rain. Like, just protect everybody. <laughs> Right. That that was well, strange to me that, that that they didn't even it's not like they needed to use that and I'm sure there's a million ways they could have explained that not working but they just didn't even it's like no character even thought of it and that bugged me. 
Wait, is there, I mean, sorry if, if I'm just forgetting, is there actually a sequence where Sisu and the Droon are like in a fight situation? No, I don't, not that I can recall. Well, that's my, I guess that's my point, right? Like, I, she might not have ever had an opportunity. To do, well, oh, you well, mean sort of like point, historically. My point is they discover that she can make it rain. Yeah. And like no character is like, we can use this against the Droon. Right. And si- right. and similarly, later they like they go to Fang or whatever, or there's like scenes after that where there are Droon that like either they're in the scene or they're like a looming presence. But but nobody says like, oh, right. Well, Sisu can, can can make it rain. That'll protect us. You know, that's basically yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. Rain, yeah. rain, like yeah. you, you introduce that the the primary you know sort of weak spot of the of the monster in the movie is water, and then one mm-hmm. of your main character, one of your main characters acquires the ability to make it rain, and you just don't draw any connection between those things. I'm just, to me, it's a little mystifying. Yeah, uh, that's fairly minor though. What any? Let's give you a turn to fix the movie. What would you do? Or any gripes that you would want to address? Um, well, there's a big sort of thrust in this movie around like, uh, like there's sort of like a blues brothers, like structure to it, right. Where it's like, we're getting the band together. Now, Raya doesn't realize she's getting the band together, but that's what's happening. Mm -hmm. Right. As she, uh, if you, as she acquires Sisu, then Boone, then, um, Tong, right. Uh, and little Noi, um, like, I love this as a general construct in movies. Mm -hmm. What I feel like was a little bit wasted was generally speaking, if you're going to get the band together, if you're going to oceans 11, this thing, right? They each need to bring special talents to the fore. Yeah. That I feel like they didn't quite figure out. Right. Right. Um, And so I would have loved like because you know th- there's something very obviously metaphorical happening right where you've got member from every tribe mm-hmm. in Kumandra it's like they and they even go through the analogy of well every tribe in Kumandra contributes a special ingredient to this delicious soup mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. i'm like yeah which means that Tong they all have needs to, to bring something, yeah, yeah. Needs to be good at something specific, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, and so uh, that was my like minor gripe. I was like, oh man, we went through this whole motion of assembling all the people in our gang, and now like we don't get to like. There's no special talent that like Boone is bringing to the table aside from, yeah, you know, some delicious you know, you know bowls. I'm I'm about to present a very half-baked thought that just occurred to me, but you and I grew up, we love video games. I feel like two of our favorites would have to be the Zelda series and the Metroid series. Is that fair to say as kids? Yes. And in those games, you acquire items and the Mm -hmm. items, every item you get, like unlock something in the game for you. There's no yes. items that are just like superfluous. You didn't actually need it for anything, right? right. Generally, so right. I wonder if that. I wonder if you and I both have that sort of deep in our video game logic. Yeah, it, it's sort thing. of like in. A, it's sort of like I want the same rules to apply to a movie. You know, you like get objects or you get new characters, join your posse. It's like they must serve a purpose, 
If right. you could have achieved everything without them, then why did, did they even, you know, enter the story? Right. Because uh, I'm totally yeah. with you. I, I'm just I'm just sort of I'm just wondering if that's where that comes from. Very possibly. I mean, the fact that you've re- referenced it, like the uh, just a little sidebar. So uh, my daughter really likes uh, a TV show called Sophia the First, which is like a Disney show that mm-hmm. features a little princess and she. Uh, meets all the various Disney princesses at various points in this uh, film. And she acquires over the several seasons of the show, uh, like different abilities. Like she develops the ability to talk to animals and shrink down to the size of a fairy and she can fly and she gets, she like develops all these skills. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that Lynn, uh, that my daughter really likes about it Mm -hmm. is that um, she can, it's like, Oh, she just gets more and more cool stuff. Like over the Mm -hmm. course of the show, I was like, well, if you like that, <laughs> let me. Have, have you, you ever heard of Metroid? <laughs> let me let me literally uh, dust off the Super Nintendo that I still have. There you go. And uh, we will play some Legend of Zelda, right? Link yeah. to the past. Yep. Right now, right? And I was just sort of like so excited to get her playing that <laughs> game. Um, and so, at any rate, yes, you're very likely right that uh, I have some deep seated DNA level need. For a person to acquire skills and then use them. Well, I think it's like a storytelling thing, too. I mean, you know, I'm I'm maybe giving too much weight to these video games we played where it's not like Zelda invented the concept of like essential, you know, essentialism basically in storytelling. Um, But yeah, I'm with you. Actually, I I think I have a very related uh, gripe, which is sort of in the same category and actually two. So I think this movie kind of commits this kind of, if you want to call it a sin, multiple times. Another one to me is Sisu's abilities. You know, uh-huh. e- each time they get another fragment of the gem, Sisu, oh, like, yeah, yeah. Sisu like absorbs an ability and she's like, oh, this is was my sister's ability to glow or this was my brother's ability to do whatever. And like basically they, they're kind of um, random, you know? Um, yeah. Like the first one is her body glows. And I'm like, that is not used really. I think at some point she does it, but it's not critical that she does it. Right. And I'm like, okay. You know, and then, and then uh, the rain one that we already mentioned, I don't remember if that comes in handy really in any way. Um, The fog kind of does, like I mentioned in that one fight scene. But, okay. but like basically it feel it, it feels like they just came up with, you know, four or five kind of neat little abilities or like a party trick yeah. that that had, weren't really necessary for the story in any way. And to me, I was like, that seems like a missed opportunity. Like, why even totally. introduce that concept if you're yeah. not going to do anything with you it? You know, you know, a movie that nails that uh, is Onward, right? Uh, yeah, with the spells, right? Yeah, he he accumulates all these spells yep. throughout the course of the film, starts getting good at them, and then by the en- at the end of the movie, does this great thing of combining, combining them, them in yep. all sorts yep. of inventive ways. And you're like, oh, like him be- having this ability combined with this other mm-hmm. ability makes him, you know, doubly, triply, quadruply, you know, yeah. uh, able to fight this trash monster or whatever, right? And so it's like, yeah, totally, I. Yeah. Totally agree. Same so, exact thing. So it is the exact thing. And then the, la- the last example of that I'll give 
is is kind of it's very much adjacent to your issue with the characters, particularly Tong. To me, it's like these five kingdoms. You know, they set it up like mm-hmm. heart and Fang are two kingdoms that really matter. And then there's mm-hmm. these other three, you know, Talon, yeah. Tail, and Spine. Spine. And I'm yeah. like, w- why, you know, we, we barely meet anyone from the other three. I mean, ta- like, basically, we meet Boone from Talon and, like, an old woman. And then mm-hmm. we meet, like, Tong from Spine. I don't think we meet anyone from Tail. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And and so so part of me is just like, why are there five? You know, it's almost like you you. It was like a cool idea that there would be five, and they all need to come right. together. But the only characters or or civilization or anything that matters at all, other than the the heart, is Fang. Right. Right. They're sort of the enemies, and the and the leader of Fang is a character, and her daughter is a character. We don't even meet the leaders of the other three, really. I mean, they might like literally be like shown like visually i don't where think, is I don't where think they is say noi anything. from <laughs> right where's noi from she's from talon which i believe was where it like the water you know sort of kingdom yeah they built like, it out on like, like docks yeah like asian venice yeah asian venice right right um they you meet the uh the chief or whatever R- that town y- you you do but she's different from like in the beginning, when the when when Raya's father is put, it's trying oh, to get, gather sure, all sure. the tribes for Kumandra. Yeah. Then it's like there's these three other tribes, basically don't ex- you know they basically have no characterization at all. And then by right. the time they're visiting Talon, like their chief or whoever is like turned to stone. So now there's a right. new chief who's this old woman. Yeah. Who basically has no traits other than, you know viciousness yeah she's she's a uh, she's vicious i guess locking know? sweet sisu in a in a walled off garden with an evil drone but i think it's related to your um to your your issue with the characters coming from these different areas is like other than just a look mm-hmm. uh, they, they don't really have any purpose you know like spine right. is like where it's snowy and tail is more like desert i think but it just yeah, seems like yeah. other than just like providing more, um, you know, a diverse set of settings and backgrounds, it, it seems underused, the, the concept of these five lands to me. Right. Yeah, I, I like, totally again, it, agree. It seems like all that matters is um, Fang. Yeah, like, uh, oh, man, what was the. Sorry, I, I had a point on and lost it. But yes, totally agree that um, it's almost like they had these cool drawings of five places. And we're like, yeah, yeah. But yeah. then forgot to think through like what they are each. Like they literally go through the trouble of comparing them to special ingredients in a soup and then mm-hmm. never say like what any town is good at. I mean, I think of um, a movie like uh, uh, like Mad Max Fury Road, mm-hmm. right? And they just like name the towns what they're good at, right? It's like there's Bullet Town, and <laughs> they're you know yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. that's what they are bringing to the mix. Right? They are bringing bullets, right? Um, there's like Gas Town, right? Or there's the Bullet Farm, excuse me. And there's Gas Town, mm-hmm. right? And it's just like that's what these places bring. And then there's the uh, whatever the place is called that has the water. But it's like 
you know, it makes it extremely clear, like, that's what they bring. And I could easily have seen this movie doing that. It's like, well, you go to tail if you need mm-hmm. sand or whatever they have there, right? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and, and it would have been interesting to, like, characterize those people in that way. But, they, yeah, it's just, I mean, I get it. It's a kid's movie. It's only an hour and 45 minutes. But I yeah. would have loved, I would have loved that. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, as we talked about in the beginning, the theme of this movie is so clear and simple. It's almost like everything else that's not directly related to that is just kind of uh, like texture. You know, it's like, I want, I want more. I want every detail to feed into a theme that the movie's trying to present, you know, in some right. way, but it's it, it seems there was a lot of incidental detail in this movie, I felt. Yeah, yeah, where you think it it feels like it should add up to more than it does. Yeah. Right? I mean it adds up to the it adds to the experience, you know, like my son's like favorite character is Tong, you know, so you mm-hmm. got that. Like there's just I like this big thug character with an eye patch. But right. but yeah, it, it's uh I want you know, I want Tong to bring something unique and I want the the land of spine to contribute in a more substantial way to like what the story's about and what the outcome of the whole story is. And yeah. uh, it just doesn't. So Yeah. That's uh that's okay. <laughs> didn't didn't stop me it from is. loving it. It it is okay. Yeah. I mean like uh, you know, it's easy for us to you know, whine about like, yeah. oh, I wish this was better. Right. But um, at the end of the day, like still had a very enjoyable time at the movies. Yeah, totally. Um, so I do have one last one, but do you have any other fix the movies? To discuss? No, you say, say yours. Okay. So this is probably the biggest one actually. Um, I do feel so, and it sounds like I'm more negative on this movie than I am. I, I really did love the movie, but I just, there are a lot of things that I feel like were a little bit of a miss and probably the biggest one has to do with the theme, which is, um, I feel like it didn't, it didn't nail it as effectively as it, it seems like it should have. Um, Mm -hmm. like, so the issue is trust and the, and, and, you know, I think Sisu states it very clearly. It's even in the trailer where she's like, maybe the world is broken because you don't trust anybody. So I was very much looking forward to, okay, the movie's building up to like, unlike many movies like this, there's going to be this pivotal, you know, sort of the the ultimate resolution of the movie is going to involve a leap of faith and act of trust. Mm -hmm. Um, When it's like, it has to be something that's hard to do, you know, like, cause it is hard to trust someone that you don't trust. Or to, to put, you know, as you put it, you know, earlier to sort of put something in the hands of someone else a, as an act of trust. And, right. but I feel like the way this movie does it is, is they start, they, tr- they start, you know, there's a scene where they attempt to do that and then it, it falls apart, which I think, which I think was good. I, I thought it was effective to show like how, like how fragile that is and how this, the tiniest cracks can cause the whole thing to fall apart. Right. Whereas where basically Raya sees Namari, like fingering the trigger of her crossbow and doesn't, and right. decides to act. Cause she's like, I don't trust her. I think she's going to betray us. Right. Um, I, so I liked that that happened. Yeah. I thought that yeah. was effective, 
But then the sort of climactic moment that I already named as one of my favorite parts of the movie because of how emotionally effective it was, was nonetheless disappointing to me as far as delivering the, the final message of the theme, because I'm like, at this point, they sort of have nothing left to lose, you know? Right. They're surrounded right. by Droon. The, the, the notion that they're like choosing to trust Namari and it's like this big stretch. I'm like, well, what else are you going to do? You're all going to get turned to stone, you know? So right. in like seconds, <laughs> you know? Right. So it's like trusting her, not trusting her. It's basically just like a Hail Mary pass at that point, you know? Right. Of like, yeah, if I were surrounded by like world killing monsters and I knew that this thing had to be assembled and my mortal enemy were standing across from me with the other piece of it, It'd be like, what? I would, ju- I would still just give them the peace, even if I hated their guts with, mm-hmm. you know, a fiery passion. Just because it's like I literally have nothing else to do at this point. I'm about to turn to stone. Yeah. So I'm just going to hand you the thing, and like maybe you'll do the right thing, even if I have, even if in my mind there's like almost no chance that you would do the right thing. You know. Right. But at the same time. Of course, you're going to do the right thing, because at this point, it's only logical. (laughs) Like, how would you betray me at this point? So I didn't like that they took it to that like extreme. I know that they did it for sort of dramatic reasons for it to, you know, hit me emotionally. But it just feels like they it didn't really feel like they were trusting. They were like making a leap of faith or trusting Namari at that last scene. I was like, Namari's just. Like somebody needs to collect them. Any one of them is as good as anyone else. So the fact that they're giving them to her, like she would have to be an idiot to not put them together. (laughs) Right. 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 Like like that's just the only thing for her to do. So then she puts them together. I mean, I guess they're trusting her that what then she puts them together. Maybe she like keeps it to herself. I mean, you know, maybe, but, but again, even that from their perspective would be a better outcome than everyone turns to stone. So, right. Um, I felt like it should have been something just a little bit less forced than that kind of ending of Namar, like of it really, they are really risking something by trusting her. And I didn't, and I didn't feel like they were. Yeah. That's a sort of damned if you do damned, if you don't situation. Right. Because if they, If they put it this way, I I think I agree with you, but I understand the alternate point of view, too, because the alternate point of view is let's pretend you put your characters in a situation where they don't have to do it right. Like they could plausibly continue to survive indefinitely with the pieces of the stone that they have. Right. Like. And then they just give them to uh, Namari. It would feel like strange. Right. It'd be like. But but here's what I think they should have done. Um, I, I'm not going to... I can't provide the specifics of how this would work because I haven't put enough thought into it or nor am I a screenwriter. But I feel like what they should have done is made it... Put, like, present, put, put together a scenario where sort of like the people... Like Raya and her clan could be okay. Yeah. But the people of Fang would not be okay. Yeah. Or if like Namari got it, she could ensure that the people of Fang would be okay, but Raya and her group wouldn't be okay. Right. Right. But like the only way for everyone to be okay require would require like an act of trust. Right. You know, so right. sort of like let's say it was like Raya and their group have enough pieces 
that they can assemble it, but then like, but then Namari and her people are not going to, you know, they're going to like all die and her, and there'd be, and there should have been some pressure on her to just be like, look, we need to look out for ourselves, you know? Right. Like right. to hell with them. You know, they betrayed you. Right. And, um, and like Sisu, I feel like would have been the logical voice of like, no, we can, if we just give them this, you know, then they mm-hmm. can, you know, also heal or whatever. And then the competing voices would have been like, no, because then they're going to betray us, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it would have been really interesting if they could have figured out a mechanic that was like, Hmm, we have a way of getting our pieces to Namari, but she has no way of getting her piece to us. Right. Mm-hmm. And therefore the only sort of like move that will sustain the world is if we basically take a flyer and take a chance and give her all of our stuff, Mm -hmm. right? That would have been an interesting, I think that would have illustrated the point better because they're back to your point. Their backs are totally against the wall at the end. And it's sort of like, well, what else are you going to do? Yeah. We're all doomed anyway. Yeah. So that's my, that's my final gripe with the movie. I mean, I, I think you're also right though in the damned, if you do damned, if you don't sense that like, I think doing it the way I would have wanted the movie to do it would have been a little bit more brave in some senses and a little bit more risky in terms of audiences accepting it, you know? Yeah. Um, so they did it in a way it's like, nobody can object to <laughs> their decisions at the end. But as I said, you know, it's just because they're just acting logically at that point, you know? Right. Just like you might as well try, you know? Um, right. But I would have liked to see a little bit more sacrifice there a little, you know, not sacrifice isn't the wrong word. Cause I think we are distinguishing. It's not, it's not sacrificing. It's taking a risk by trusting yeah. someone. Yeah. Um, right. and I think the movie would have been all the more powerful for me if it had done that. But anyway, given what we saw still, still was a big fan, still thought it was overall a, very well done movie, beautiful movie with a beautiful message. So I mm-hmm. can't really complain too much. We're going to beam it up. Yes, right? <laughs> right? Yeah, it's, I, I mean, would. it's a spe- it's a special movie. Um uh I I think for all the reasons that we've enumerated despite whatever, you know, nitpicks or flaws that we observe in it. Um it's still like a special movie that creates a magical world, which like, let's be clear. There's lots of Disney movies that take place in fictitious worlds. And very few of them are as like awe inspiring as this one. Yeah. You know, um, uh, I think it's, sharply it's like well written it's the the voice acting is great the animation is beautiful um the message is interesting the uh action sequences are very good um i thought the music was great too personally yeah yeah great score um yeah the the jokes hit you know what i mean like it's just it's just really well done. It's just like as movie making goes, you know, I've seen comedies that are less funny. I've seen action movies that have worse action than this. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, I've seen plenty of like magical 
like movies that attempt to sort of invoke wonder and magic and fail. Right. Yeah. Um, like as an example, I just watched justice league. <laughs> and how did you feel about that movie? Adam failed to invoke wonder. I see. Let me call it, Let me say that. Okay. Um, so like, yeah, I just feel like the, you know, for, a, for this movie to achieve all of that, just, and for us to still have like little things that are like, well, it could have been better, but it's like the fact that we still like loved it as much as we did. So it's a special movie. Yeah. Good job, Disney. All right, beaming it up. Oh, that was terrible. We eighty percent uploaded. Yeah, there we go. Uh, all right, it squeaked across the line. All right, well there you have it. Uh, Riot and the Last Dragon beamed up for the astronaut to enjoy later, in oh. like in like three months mm-hmm. <laughs> when right, the upload yeah. finishes. Mm-hmm. And uh, whatever, what preceded three G? Was it two G? Yes. Single G. The G just stands for generation, doesn't it? What does it stand for? I think that's right. So there had to be a one G. Yeah, it just wasn't. They might wasn't not have called, called it. 1G. They might not have called it that. Yeah, right? yeah. Uh, but uh, but enjoy that astronaut. We we really did. We enjoyed it a lot, and we believe you will too. So. Thanks for listening, everyone. That'll that'll end our episode for now. Uh, I'm Dan. Uh, I'm Tuk Tuk. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>